Cider Box is a subscription box that delivers hard-to-find American ciders. And listeners of XX Will Travel can receive free shipping on their first order by using the code XXWillTravel. This applies to the Try Box option, too. So go to ciderbox.com to find out more. C-I-D-R-B-O-X.com. Hello and welcome to XX Will Travel, a podcast for independent women travelers. I'm Inez. And I'm Kathy. And together we are XX Will Travel. We are so excited for today's episode because we are going to explore our nether regions, as I like to say it. <laughs> we are going to talk vaginas, reproduction, <laughs> periods, birth control, and everything that has to do with that and what happens to it when you travel. Everything your Catholic mother never told you. (laughs) Or is that just me? No, no, no. It's appropriate. Everything Judy Bloom wanted to tell you but did not have time. (laughs) So since neither Kathy nor I are health experts, we decided to um, bring a guest who could give you actual good information about it. And her name is Christina Tanner. So, Christina Tanner has been a certified nurse midwife for 15 years. She works in the Lawndale Little Village neighborhoods for Esperanza Health Centers, a federally qualified health center that provides high-quality, multi-specialty health care to members of the community, regardless of insurance status. Yay! And she is also a board member of the Chicago chapter of the National Organization for Women, also known as Chicago Now, and she will tell us about that later on. But for now, hello, Christina. Hello. (laughs) And this is Christina's first experience with podcasts. Yes. So be kind. Please. (laughs) So we are just going to jump right in because we have so many questions. So to begin with, what types of changes can women expect in their cycle or in their bodies in general when they, when they travel? And why, why does it change? Um, well, it depends on how far you're going and how excited you are about the trip itself. Um, most of the changes that you might see in your cycle while traveling um, have to do with uh, changes in your hormone levels based on your emotions. There are lots of things that can change your cycles, weight gain, weight loss, thyroid disease, a number of different issues. Um, But usually if you're traveling and you're a healthy woman, um, it mostly just has to do with how you feel about it. Oh, so let's start with the basics. How should we be washing down there? What kind of products should we be using? And perhaps most importantly, what underwear is best to stay dry and safe? Um, As far as washing down there goes, I would say less is more. A lot of the different soaps and liquids that are made to wash the vulva and the vaginal area tend to cause infections. So you don't actually have to use soap at all. And nobody ever wants to hear that from me, but it's true. You could just rinse with water every day and you're fine. The vagina protects itself and the more chemicals you use down there, the more likely you are to kill off the healthy bacteria that, Mm -hmm. that protects the vagina from infection. So um, a mild unscented soap, dove unscented, ivory, um, wash gently, that's it. And as far as panties go, again, um, I always recommend sleeping without underwear because you need some air down there. But when you do wear them, cotton crotch, it, it provides more ventilation. 
Okay. Kathy and I are staring at Christina with eyes wide open. Of wonder. <laughs> of wonder. And I think for the next four years, my motto is going to be, the vagina protects itself. Yes. I was going to say, I already feel like 100% more powerful. Like, I need that on a t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> Your vagina is like a self-cleaning oven. <gasps> I also need that on a t-shirt. <laughs> So I think one of the great fears we face when traveling is the dirty bathroom. I have seen it all. You know, the nasty stalls in a train station, sometimes the, the holes in the floor, which maybe are not gross, but I'm not used to them, so I don't know what to expect. You know, like bathrooms and buses are nasty, and there's always a debate about how you should deal with the gross bathroom. I mean, do you sit fully down? Do you not use it at all. What do you do? <laughs> well, I mean, I would be kind to the person who's following you. So if you decide not to sit down, it would be nice to clean the seat afterwards. Um, yes. You don't have to sit. There's, you're not going to get any infections from a toilet seat, though. I know mom said that you would, but, but you won't. <laughs> as far as traveling in other countries, especially when you're dealing with the hole in the floor, which I've dealt with a lot, even in um, very advanced countries like Japan, I mean, mm -hmm. you can still find the old-fashioned Japanese toilets, which are literally holes in the floor. Yes, yes, yes. I taught in a Japanese school, and in the schools, they just have the squat toilets. Mm -hmm. Yes, and in the airport, they actually give you options. Like, you can have the super technological Japanese toilet with all the buttons but i've also seen like the holes in in the floor option if you so prefer it yeah yeah i had very strong thighs after yeah. two years in japan it is a good workout yeah it's a good exercise um yeah, it's amazing how the japanese evolved you've got the hole or you can have this really fancy thing that plays music yeah. and cleans your bottom for you and all that stuff um as far as traveling in like second and third world countries i usually recommend carrying a uh, like some toilet paper with you yeah it's really kind of the safest way to go but there's nothing special you need to do about the toilets yeah watch out for spiders Oh, yeah. Or snakes. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, when it's the hole in on the floor, I mean, do you just kind of go into pigeon pose? No, not pigeon pose. No, don't go, don't go into pigeon pose. It's goddess pose, actually. Yeah. 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 And you just squat over it. Yeah, when you just squat over it and just kind of let it go. And yeah. I've heard, I've heard I, unconfirmed rumors that it's better for your digestion. In because everything and gravitational pull because right. everything just goes straight down like you're not seated and squishing all your internal organs but I don't know I'm no as expert as far as having a bowel movement it actually it's healthier for, for women and for men to squat just because of the way that the intestines run through the lower abdomen and the position of the colon so. huh Rumor confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but good luck doing it if you're not used to it. Right. Yeah. It's not easy. No, no, no. It, it definitely takes practice, but don't get discouraged. Yeah. And I was just thinking, like, see, here comes colonialism ruining good ideas. <laughs> you know, and wisdom from other cultures. <laughs> so, okay, our next question is, what are the basics that we should remember to pack? Like tampons, birth control pills, wipes, toilet paper, what, anything to add to that list? 
Yeah, I would definitely remember your pills. You know what you might also want to do is bring something along in case you get a yeast infection. Oh. Um, I, I like fluconazole, which is a tablet you can get a prescription from your nurse practitioner or doctor for that. Get a couple of them before you go. They work really well. You just pop a pill. You don't have to deal with the cream, putting it in the mm-hmm. vagina and all that stuff. Um, you could bring a cream, though. If you don't want to go and get a prescription, you can just get some over-the-counter Monistat, bring a couple of tubes of that with you. Um, that's a frequently encountered problem for women while they're traveling. Yeah, bring your toilet. Well, it depends on where you're going to. Um, yeah. But if you're going to a region that uh, is is not like America, that's not quite as developed, then, yeah, bring your toilet paper. And in that case, you might even want to bring some azithromycin, um, just a basic antibiotic mm-hmm. would be a good idea. Yeah, it seemed when I asked my friends if they had any stories or questions about this topic, yeast infection was way up there in terms of, like, horror stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so since you mentioned it, I was wondering if you could tell us why they happen and if there's anything we can do to, to even prevent it. Yeah, there is. Um, One of my worst stories was trying to demonstrate to a very shy, older Japanese pharmacist in this tiny little town that I had a yeast infection. Yes! I was pointing to my crotch. I thought the poor guy was going to faint. Yeah, so it's nice if you... Think ahead, bring it with you. Yeah. An ounce of prevention. Right. Yeah. But speaking of an ounce of prevention, yes, there are things you can do. Like I had mentioned before, sleep at night without underwear on. It really helps reduce the incidence of infection, yeast infection specifically. Um, wear the cotton crotch panties. Try to avoid super tight clothes all the time. That can contribute. Cut down on sugar if you love sugar. Mm-hmm. Drink lots of water. And it's an interesting note about pharmacies, too, is... In the U.S., pharmacies, I think, are pretty self-explanatory unless you need a prescription filled. Then they can be confusing. But in other countries, like I was in Mexico with bad food poisoning and everything there is kept under lock and key, like everything, yeah. like over-the-counter meds, stuff that you would just pick up at Target. So there's a system where you have to go. I, I, my, my friend who is Mexican had to actually help me. You have to go. You have to get a slip of paper with what you want. Then you go give it to the pharmacist, and then you go pay with a different person. So that is good to know because if you're at a pharmacy, you're probably under some degree of stress and don't need, <laughs> don't need any more anxiety to add to that. Yeah, that's true. That's actually something very common in Latin America. You'll see a lot of like over-the-counter medication actually being behind these locked uh, glass you know, whatever, cabinets or whatever you want to call it. And it's the pharmacist who can, has to get it for you. One last question on yeast infections before we move on. So what happens if you are in the middle of, like, rural Laos? You did not bring your stuff. You did not prevent <laughs> take the measures to prevent it. And you have one. Is there any, like, home remedy you can use? Yes, um, and don't blame yourself if you didn't take yeah. the preventive measures. Sometimes you can do everything right and you still get one. The herbs that we generally, I'm also an herbalist, but the herbs that we generally use to treat yeast infections, I don't know how you're going to find those in the backwaters of Lao. If you can find garlic, most places have garlic, but this might be tricky too. You can uh, peel a couple cloves, make sure you don't nick them, because if you nick them, then they that the oils in the garlic can cause some irritation. Mm-hmm. Um, You can put them in the vagina, but if you just put them in there on their own, maybe two good-sized cloves, it can be hard to get them out. So you actually kind of need, you don't want to get, yeah. Yeah. And then you've got another problem. Um, How are you going to explain that one to the pharmacist? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but if you can find something clean, like um, some cloth, what do they call that stuff? Like a gauze, maybe? Some oh. type of a gauze. I don't know if you're going to find that in, mm-hmm. in the middle of nowhere. Um, you put those in the in the gauze, and you have to tie a little string to it, and you kind of make a tampon out of it. You put it in at night, take it out in the morning. It's going to take a little while, though. You're going to need to do that for at least a week, sometimes two. Wow. Um, if you're just, I, w- I mean, you might need to find the medication. If you're just yeah. on fire and there's yogurt around, just like a natural yogurt, yogurt works in two ways for yeast infections. If you eat a lot of yogurt or fermented foods in general, um, it can help decrease your risk of yeast infections. But you can also actually put yogurt on the label. It'll cool it off right away. Yeah. Um, oh. With time, it'll help. it'll help fight it off because it has lactobacillus in it. Um, which helps repopulate the vagina. I don't want to get too technical, but um, our vaginas are filled with lactobacillus, and when we don't have enough, that's when we get these yeast infections. So it helps repopulate, but it also just kind of cools you down until maybe you can find the bus and get into town and get your fluconazole. So basically, an ounce of prevention prevents a pound of yeast. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's funny you mentioned garlic because I had a friend who was studying abroad in Cuba. She got a yeast infection and I'm not quite sure if she just wasn't able to get to a pharmacy or she or there simply wasn't like medicine available. But um, she had like, I think, you know, a witch doctor or someone tell her, well, use garlic. And she did not believe him, but it worked. Yeah, Yeah, it totally worked. Yeah. (laughs) Just be sure you have a way to get it back out. Yes. 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 <laughs> I think that's for for every vagina situation. I it's know. good. It's a good guideline. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Have an exit strategy. An exit strategy. strategy. Oh man, that's awesome. So, how about if you are on the road? We'll use Lao again. Yes. In the middle of Lao, and you get your period. What what can you do if there are no feminine products in sight? Uh, I would just say revert to the colonial days again. You're going to have to find some rags. Yeah. Uh, make sure they're clean. Rinse them out. Let them dry. Use them again. Find a couple ones so you can switch off back and forth. There's not a lot. I mean, like, there's no special leaves that you can put yeah. in there that I know of. I, I just stick with rags. Yeah. yeah. The old school solution. Yeah. yeah, I guess, like, pioneer women had to deal with this, too, at some and, point. Yeah. And I don't know what they did. And, <laughs> that's what they did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and women today do that, too. Like, there are ads, like, Luna pads and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So it's not that far-fetched. So, tagging onto that, we've heard so much about Diva Cups and Thinks Period Panties um, as reusable options, and I don't know, I've never used them. Have you used them? No, I haven't. I'm scared of them, but (laughs) that might just be me being, like, with my own biases. I don't know. This this is all about conquering fear today. It really is. (laughs) So, can you give us some background on maybe, well, we can start with the Diva Cup, on what it is and how to use it. Diva cup is, uh, it's this flexible plastic cup that goes in the vagina um, and collects the, the menstrual blood. It doesn't go all the way up like a diaphragm. It goes about halfway into the vagina, and then you can pull it back out. It can last for 10 to 12 hours. Wow. Mm. And there's two different sizes depending on how old you are and whether or not you've had children. I've never used one either, but I've had so many of my patients speak favorably about them that I I don't mind recommending them. I, everybody I know who uses them loves them. Yeah, yeah. it's a cult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's one of those things that once you go diva cup, you don't go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, yeah. And I've also heard, and please 
correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to be kind of careful if you have an IUD and are using a Diva cup just because there is some suction that holds it in place. Yeah, you need to turn it uh, before you remove it um, so to loosen, to kind of relieve some of that suction so that you don't yank out your IUD with it. Now, the IUD, of course, is not in your vagina. It's up in your uterus, but there are strings that hang out into the vagina that you don't want to accidentally pull on. It's not, it's not easy to do that, though, so I wouldn't worry too much about it. Phew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how about the Thinks period panties? Because it's both the option that intrigues me and horrifies me the most. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, one last thing about the Diva oh, yeah. Cup. Um, you do need to wash it with potable water, so keep that oh. in mind. If you're in an area where you don't have potable water, you're going to have to bring up some bottled water or something to wash out your Diva Cup. Um, but otherwise, I think it's a great option for yeah, traveling. Just right. be sure the water's clean. Um, thanks, but I didn't know anything about it until you told oh, really? me about it. I looked it up, and all I can say is they have the funniest ad. They have the funniest little video that teaches you how to use them. It's hysterical. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we're back to the rag concept. It's it's a, they're really cute little panties. There's all kinds of options, and they're like pads basically. They last mm-hmm. a long time, and you wash them out, and when you're done with them, and I mean, you need to buy a number of them because you'd have mm-hmm. to switch them out. But. Sure. So Diva Cup and thanks if you're listening. We would like to try these options. Oh, yes. I will conquer my fears because my vagina is a powerful <laughs> self-cleaning oven. <laughs> and my vagina takes care of itself. <laughs> so we can conquer this. So, yes, we'd be happy to, to speak of our experiences yes. with both or either. Yes, yes. I'm really curious. Um, and since we're on the topic of periods, I mean, everyone kind of has you know, their own methods for dealing with PMS, but it seems that sometimes when you're traveling, those things are either exacerbated or your normal methods don't work. So do you have any general guidelines for dealing with PMS? Different women experience PMS in different ways. Some have none at all. Some have horrible PMS. Most of us are somewhere in between. If you're a person who really struggles with it, I would actually, you might want to consider taking the pill for a period of time because mm-hmm. it'll calm those symptoms down, well, at least while you're gone. There are other things you can do uh, if it's not so bad, um, things you can do in your diet, actually, mm-hmm. um, increasing tryptophan in your diet, things like uh, turkey. God, what else has tryptophan? I think chocolate has tryptophan in it, which is why I actually wrote this down, which is why we tend to crave it when we've got PMS. You could, act, you could also take 5-HTP, which is a capsule form of tryptophan. You could take that once a day during the week before your period. Um, you could add magnesium and calcium. That's very helpful when mm-hmm. you have PMS during that week before. Exercise has been shown to have the best effects on it, too. So get out there, hike up that mountain. Yeah. yeah. Turkey and exercise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but that's a good... Um, that's a good suggestion because at least for me, for some reason, I, I just decide that if I'm on my period, then I allow myself like the privilege of not doing anything. <laughs> but maybe I should actually exercise yeah. well. Well, I was talking about premenstrual syndrome. Yeah. I think if you're on your period, you get to go into the red tent. Right. Yes. <laughs> if you want to exercise, go ahead. It helps with cramps. Yeah. yeah. Um, but don't feel like you have to. That's, that's your break. I yeah. like it. Going to the red tent. With, with a bunch of books. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's like, I'm not going to do anything. So just, just be me. <laughs> yeah. We've covered periods, and now we're going to talk a little more about birth control. So what birth control methods do you recommend for long-term travelers? 
I would recommend Larks um, for everybody. <laughs> I love them. Um, and certainly for traveling, things like IUDs, um, the Nexplanant implant are great. What are Larks? Long-acting reversible contraceptives. Ah. And those are the two IUDs, the Paragard, the Marina, and um, the Nexplanant implant that goes in the arm. Because they last... They last for years. You don't have to do anything to maintain them or remember mm-hmm. them. Um, they're easily removable. So that's that's probably the best option. Well, I did some research <laughs> <laughs> because, I don't know, I, I was raised in a super Catholic upbringing, so I felt really guilty <laughs> <laughs> like looking at this stuff like, someone's going to see my browser history, and then I'm like, oh, I don't live at home anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> so... I found some interesting stuff about just birth control around the world. For example, in 2014, the UN, the United Nations, declared access to birth control as a universal human right. Yeah. Yeah. In 2015, according to the UN, 64% of married or in-union women of reproductive age worldwide were using some form of contraception. Single ladies just have crazy lives and can't be pinned down to take UN surveys. I don't know. That's how I feel. Right? (laughs) So, also according to the UN, the most common methods of contraception worldwide are female sterilization, which are when women get their tubes tied, and the IUD. And part of the IUD's popularity came from communism, where in co- where communist bloc countries, particularly Russia, wanted to bring down the abortion rates, so they uh, recommended IUDs for all oh. the women who wanted contraception. But the first one is a little... I don't know. I'm shocked that it's... Uh... Getting your tubes tight is number one, and I'm going dark here. But have like, do they differentiate between forced sterilization and voluntary? They do not. But I think the sterilization is in less developed countries where they're not going to have access to other methods. Um, like you can't go to the pharmacy and pick up pills. Yeah. On January first, 2016, Oregon became the first U.S. state with over-the-counter birth control without a prescription. So, ladies who come here used to having the freedom of picking up your birth control over the counter, go to Portland. Because <laughs> you're not going to find it without a prescription here. Yeah. What about, um, and what about Colorado? A few years ago, they received that huge grant um, from the anonymous donor to provide free IUDs to young oh, women. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. No! Their birth rates dropped dramatically. Yeah. And then suddenly, this IUD, the super affordable IUD, showed up on the market called Liletta about a year and a half ago, right after this, this program. Um, in Colorado, and it's it's only $50. So for women who can't afford insurance, because IUDs are very expensive, yeah, they can, I, I'm using them all the time on, for my patients. It's 50 bucks for three years of birth control. It's super awesome. And Warren Buffett funded um, the research to make yeah. the Liletta, and it turned out, we found out, Warren Buffett was the secret anonymous <gasps> donor for the Colorado thing. So. Yes! Yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah, it's like exclusive. <laughs> uh, probably not first. But no. <laughs> I love Warren Buffett because he's kind of the the counterpart to all the evil rich men that they're destroying our lives. And he just so so. Um, have you seen an uptick in IUDs since you know we're getting rid of Obamacare? I know all my friends are getting IUDs oh. before since they're covered. Right. Um, so what have you seen? Oh, yeah. IUDs are very popular, I'm, and I'm seeing people get more of them now. Yeah. yeah. If you decide to switch from, let's say, a pill to an IUD for travel, how many months in advance should people consider switching? 
You can do it at any time. Yeah. Um, just keep in mind that um, certain IEDs, like if you choose a Mirena or a Leleta that has a hormone in it, the first couple of months after placing, you might have some irregular bleeding. So mm-hmm. if you want to avoid that, you might want to consider, if it's a hormonal IUD, putting it in three months prior to your trip. Mm-hmm. But uh, but you can do it any time. Yeah. 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 And for those of us who are on the pill, say we forget our pills <laughs> and are in another place, How? what do you recommend for getting more? I actually did a little research on that. There are some websites, Birth Control Without a Prescription, Metro has a website that lists all those countries. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you might want to check that one out. Um, aside from that, though, I mean, you'd need to you need to get a prescription if yeah. you're not in one of those countries. And some countries don't really offer birth control at all. So it goes actually, I, you can't ever miss plugging condoms. Mm-hmm. Bring con- for so many reasons yeah. aside yeah. from birth control, but it's always nice to have condoms too. Yeah, and if you don't use them, give them to someone who will, who may not yeah. have access to them. Yeah. So I also did research <laughs> because it's it's fascinating. Oh, to you me. got it. I yeah. do. Yep. So. Basically, it seems like the less developed countries are the places that offer birth control without a prescription, while the more developed ones require a prescription. Can I just do a side note on that? Side note. (laughs) Side note. So, um, as many people know, I'm originally from Peru, and I started to become sexually active while I was living in Peru. And that was the case. I went to the pharmacy and said, I want birth control. They're like, here. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think maybe, I I don't know, maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe the the safe way would be for your doctor to check, you, you know, to check and give you the right birth control for specifically for you. But in terms of just like getting it. That, that was all you needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. The only countries in North America where you can get birth control without a prescription are Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica. All of South America. All of South America. Except I don't think they had information for Suriname, Guiana, or French Guiana. Mm-hmm. You can get birth control without a prescription. In Europe, you can get it without a prescription. In most of Eastern Europe... In Greece, Turkey, Portugal, but like the countries where everyone goes, Spain, France, the UK, Germany, you need a prescription there. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, but just to note, most of those European countries I just mentioned that don't offer birth control over the counter, they do sell um, emergency contraception available, like the morning after pill over the counter. Australia also has emergency contraceptive available over the counter, they do not offer birth control without a prescription. However, pharmacists are authorized to give one interim pack between prescriptions. So I don't know oh. how that would apply to to travelers. Mm-hmm. Um, Africa, you can get birth control without a prescription, like pretty much the entire continent of Africa. But another important thing to note is that you're, just because they have OTC birth control doesn't mean yours is going to be available there. Right. For example, Africa, most women get injections as birth control because it's long-term and you only have to do it a couple times a year. So that's their birth control. So don't walk into a pharmacy expecting to see your pill. So that would probably be um, good to research. Too. And the Gates Foundation funds that. Wow. Oh. So that's why a lot of women are doing it. It's go, really cool. go Gates. Yeah. So I also looked, I'm sorry if I'm doing too much. Um, I also looked into emergency contraception. And the U.S. requires a prescription for women under the age of 17, but otherwise you can just walk into a drugstore 
And as of now, <laughs> and get it. Yeah, I'm like, as of this recording, right. because it might change in a couple of days. <laughs> There's also Princeton University, the Office of Population Research, has an emergency contraception website. And we're going to put all these websites up yeah. on, the, on the blog. Um, you can search by brand name, and it will tell you where it's available and whether you need a prescription. And you can also search by country, and it lists the medications that are are available in that country. Yeah. So we will hook you up. And another thing we probably should have said at the beginning, I'm saying it now, this is a disclaimer. This is not medical advice. (laughs) Don't take it as such. You can't go to another country and get pregnant and tell them that Inez and Kathy said it would be okay. (laughs) (laughs) So like, just like, and, and all the websites we're listing are up to date as of now, as of this recording. So, you know, Take a look at them before you leave to make sure the still the same options are still available. Yeah, and just another side note: um, when you know Kathy mentioned the idea of giving away condoms to people that might not be able to have access to them, this is actually a thing. Venezuela is going through some crazy, crazy stuff right now. They're basically, uh, you know, they've been going through a dictatorship for a while. They've been deprived of a lot of medicine, um, basic food, etc. And we have a lot of Venezuelan refugees in Peru right now, and some of them still have family back home. And their family members, I've heard of this, have been asking, please, you know, send us condoms. Like, we can't find any right now. <laughs> so, so that could be your little go-to gift if you go to a place like Venezuela. I think Cuba, for the most part, has pretty, like, good medical infrastructure. But I've also heard of people saying, you know, to bring tampons and pads because that's kind of some of the things they lack. Yeah. So, wow, that was a lot of info. Yeah, I know. I was, seriously, like, the little Catholic girl in me was like, oh, no, what am I doing? And then adult me was like, yeah. (laughs) And to be honest, in terms of Peru, I didn't realize it was something that was allowed so much as I thought people just didn't care. You know, right. mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm glad to see that it's actually no, it's something that is allowed. <laughs> and if you're yeah. gifting countries with sanitary products, uh, don't forget India, they can really use it. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's true. This episode is sponsored by Ciderbox. What's Ciderbox? <laughs> Ciderbox is a subscription service. They deliver hard to find American fine cider right to your door. Each month they spotlight a single maker, they visit them at their orchard, they learn about how they make cider, and then they ship the bottles directly to your home. You can pick the size that works for you. Three bottles, a half case of six bottles, or a full case of 12 bottles. Now Inez and I are both single ladies, so you'd think we'd pick the three. But let's be realistic. We need the 12. Right? Each bottle is 750 milliliters, which, in case you didn't know, is a full-size wine bottle. And the cool thing is that most of these ciders cannot be found outside their region. So if you want to learn more about cider and how Ciderbox can make your life better, (laughs) go to ciderbox.com. Note, there's no E in cider, just sparkly, fruity goodness. C-I-D-R-B-O-X dot com. Since we touched upon birth control, now we get to the scary part, (laughs) which is what would you advise a woman who suspects she may be pregnant while she's traveling? Do you know of any resources or organizations that can help her or guide her? It depends on what she wants to do about the pregnancy. Right. 
So let's just say you find out you're pregnant on on the road. It's a happy pregnancy. Right. What would you what should a woman do to ensure the health of her and her her baby? Mm-hmm. Well, you know there's there's a new CDC guideline which is um, <laughs> has been hotly debated only because of the way that the idea was presented um that all women of childbearing age should take a folic acid supplement daily. Folic acid has been shown to decrease the risk of neural tube de- defects like spina bifida, anencephaly, meningomyelocele. And also, there was a really well-done study um, in Scandinavia that showed that it significantly decreases the risk of autism, which is fascinating to me because huh. we don't, it's on the rise. We don't know what causes it, but yeah. this can decrease your baby's risk. Um, so whether or not you're using contraception, the recommendation is to just take a folic acid supplement. 400 micrograms is sufficient. A lot of them are eight, a lot of the bottles have 800 microgram pills. Those are fine too. But I would be taking that. Uh, that being said, if you're not taking that and you find out you're pregnant, that's the main thing in the first trimester. Find some mm-hmm. folic acid and start taking it. Or eat folic acid-rich foods, leafy greens, um, chickpeas, eggs. You can get a whole list online if you look it up. Just wolf those down if you if you can't get any folic acid wherever you are, and of course initiate your prenatal care. Um, if you start to have heavy bleeding, like a period or severe lower abdominal or lower back pains, uh, high fever, you'd want to go into the hospital and get that checked out right away. So traveling, like say you have to take a bus through rural area back to the airport and hop on a plane. So like buses are okay, planes are okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so you can go. You can come home. You don't have to spend the rest of your life in Laos. so let's think about you know the other scenario which is that you find out you're pregnant and you don't want to continue the pregnancy i mean is what what are the options in that case that's going to be trickier that's also something i was googling online there is some information about abortion laws and availability in different countries um yeah, you've got it. Yeah. <laughs> you did your homework. Yeah, you did. Um, yeah and um, Kathy's going to tell you about that. Yeah, unless okay. you would like to. I mean, you're the guest. <laughs> you got it written down. Okay. <laughs> so there's. We'll also post this this summary by the Pew Research Center about countries who do abortion on request. So Canada, the U.S. Although some states are easier than others, and also, <laughs> who knows if you're going to yeah. be able to get an abortion here. Um, in the next uh, four years, whatever. Despair. Um, despair. <laughs> yeah. So Guyana is the only country in South America which does abortion on request. And South America, you're going to have a really, really hard time yeah. with abortion on request, like wherever you are. Um, Africa, Tunisia and South Africa do it, but like you're going to have a hard time anyplace else. Most of Europe does abortions on request. Poland does not, which I expected. Ireland does not. But also, Iceland and Finland do not. Really? I have no idea. I have no idea. You also need a prescription to get birth control in Iceland. Huh. So, I would not have expected that from Iceland. Finland, especially especially (laughs) since since Finland takes such good care of their babies once they're born. But anyway, Middle East and South Asia, you're out of luck, except for Nepal, Vietnam, and Cambodia. Australia, you're all right. 58 of the 196 countries on the, the survey permit abortion on request for any reason. However, that figure goes up to 99 out of 196 permit abortions in cases of rape or incest. So God forbid you get sexually assaulted, but the the laws are a little more flexible there. But you're still, like, I know South America, a lot of countries will offer that if that's the case. 
But it's still really hard to get it anyway. Yeah. I remember this like awful case in Peru because Peru has that exception. Abortion is illegal unless the pregnancy is due to rape or incest. There was this horrible case. I think it involved a 15-year-old who was raped by like some uncle or something absolutely terrible and she tried to get an abortion and she would just keep getting denied like again and again and it actually went through the UN it got all this like um, attention I honestly don't know what happened to it but even in in situations like that where technically it was legal for her to get it you might still get a lot of resistance right and a doctor availability too just because it's legal Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you're going to have an access to doctors who can help you yeah so, any anything else to add? <laughs> Should no. they just fly home? Like if they're in a country that where they they really restrict abortion access, is that pretty? Oh, much? I would. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> so moving on. Yeah. So let's say you are away from home. You're visiting a doctor just in general because maybe you got sick or whatever the case may be. Or you did get a yeast infection and you want someone to take a look at it. What are some questions that you should make sure to ask that doctor who doesn't usually see you? Or who says, here, take this medication. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, what is this? Do you speak his language? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, I don't really have an answer to that. Uh, I mean, it, any... I mean, any any healthcare provider would sit down and take a history, find out what your complaint is, perhaps do an exam, write you a prescription. As far as what you would ask, you might want to make sure that this this woman or man is trained and board certified. <laughs> Let them know if you have any allergies. Yeah. Was there something in particular you were worried about? Well, this this is my question. Mm-hmm. I wrote this one because there was there was um. Not an incident in Japan. Uh, I have an anecdote. So <laughs> I, I had very good health insurance through the Japanese government when I was a teacher. And I decided uh, before I had left for Japan, my American dentist had said I needed my wisdom teeth pulled. So I figured before I was going to lose this great health insurance that I would go to the dentist and get my wisdom teeth pulled. And I was with a friend who was an American of Japanese descent. And she she spoke Japanese fluently. The dentist is making all these gestures and talking to my friend. And he said, she said, he says he can take out your wisdom teeth, but he'll have to break your jaw. Oh, (laughs) wow. (laughs) (laughs) And he's saying this while he's smiling. So you couldn't even like read his body language, at which point I was like, tell him no, thank you. (laughs) And to have a nice day. And then we just left. So that is where, that's like how this question originated. And I I was fortunate enough to have someone who spoke the language. But I just like get panicky when a doctor's like, here, take this. And I don't know what it is. Why is he offering it to you, though? Um, Let's say. In that scenario. Because I'm trying to figure out how to answer the question. (laughs) Like maybe, aside from the dental scenario, maybe you have like an upset stomach or Mm -hmm. diarrhea or something Mm -hmm. like that. And the this doctor whose language maybe you don't speak or maybe half speak hands you pills and is like, these will help you. So what do you do? Do you Google the medication name or? 
Well, if it's in another language, I mean, you'd have to find a way of translating it. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of tricky, which is why it's a good idea, like I said, you know, bring some azithromycin, bring some fluconazole, bring your... Because when you're in another country, you're kind of at people's mercy. Right. Yeah. I, I developed walking pneumonia in Varanasi, India, and it was quite an odyssey, the experience of going from... Um, provider to provider. I mean, who were oftentimes working in these like dark rooms Whoa, and they would just hand me bottles of liquids and I'm drinking them because <laughs> it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to die one way or the other. And I right. maybe, maybe have a chance with this strange brown liquid. Um, I don't have a good answer for that, to be honest with yeah. you. I, I think that's every traveler's story. Like I know <laughs> yeah. my, my sister-in-law spent time in India and she, she just has these memories of like being in taxis while carrying poop samples. Right. I mean, <laughs> oh, what I kind of tell a lot of my friends is when in doubt and if you get sick, Usually asking your hotel if they have a doctor recommendation really works because they encounter that all the time and they usually know of some doctor who at least speaks some English, <laughs> like that's usually who they recommend and who they think is trustworthy because if the doctor keeps killing off their guests, they wouldn't recommend them, <laughs> you know? So, <laughs> I mean, when I was in Cusco, I had a horrible, horrible accident with my toenail that involved me getting... Um, I had to have my toenail taken off from my big toe. And even though I'm from Peru, I am aware that medical care outside of Lima can be really sketchy. I had no idea who to turn to in Cusco, and I asked my youth hostel for a recommendation. And they sent this very nice... Um, this very nice doctor who, I mean, we spoke in Spanish, but who was fluent in English, so she could also, like, communicate with the other people. And she was great, and she, like, checked up on me afterwards. She did the whole procedure in one of the youth hostel's empty rooms. A German guy had to carry me there because <laughs> I couldn't walk. But that's kind of what I tell people, like, ask your hostel or your hotel. They might actually know someone. That's great advice. Yeah. Also, ask your consulate. They usually yes. have a list of English-speaking doctors and dentists sometimes. And there's also an organization called IAMAT.org, which is um, you can choose a destination, and then it will it will... It has a list of doctors, I think. And let me tell you, when I would go to Japanese doctors who spoke English, they were always so happy to have the chance <laughs> to like practice their English with, with people. And they'd ask me stuff like, so how's Nebraska doing these days? Because they always like went to medical schools like in the Midwest or in California. Yeah. So I was sick, but you know, it was a very it was a very pleasant experience. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we kind of touched upon women who find out they're pregnant while traveling, but do you have any tips for women who for sure know they're pregnant, everything is going fine, but they need to travel for some reason? Like, what are some things they should take into account before getting on that plane? Um, traveling during the second trimester is is usually the best time um, for a number of reasons. You, you feel better. The first trimester can be kind of rocky for a lot of women, nausea, vomiting, mm -hmm. being really tired. Second trimester, you're feeling better. You've gotten through that part of the first trimester where um, miscarriage is, is more of a risk, which doesn't mean that you can't have preterm labor in the second trimester, but it's it's less likely. About 12% of, of women have preterm labor. Um, I would avoid traveling towards the end of the pregnancy just because, you know, you could 
go into labor at any time. Wherever it is that you're going, make sure you you know where the nearest hospital is. And if you're going to be there for more than a couple of weeks, I, I would look into finding a midwife or an obstetrician before you even go. Hmm. Good advice. Yeah. Although I always dream of being one of those babies that's born midair and they get like free travel for life. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's an urban myth, but. <laughs> and hopefully there's somebody on the flight who will deliver your baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget one time I was on my I was on a flight to California for a conference. Suddenly, one of the stewardesses was saying, one of the flight attendants was saying, um, "Is there is there a doctor on the on the plane?" And fifteen of us stood up. Whoa. And one person ran back and and he came back and, and and there were a number of people going back it turned out it was an anxiety attack so oh. first, first a family practice person went and came back and then a cardiologist went and came back and then they sent the psychiatrist <laughs> and when the psychiatrist came back he's like okay she's okay now but if she starts having a baby you're next <laughs> i bet the psychiatrist was like yes this is my time to shine <laughs> yeah he was the one sitting there going oh it can't be me but it was Step aside. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Finally. Well, not finally. We have a couple more questions about Chicago now. But before we turn to that, um, when it comes to trans women, are there any specific things they need to take into account in terms of their health when traveling abroad? I don't think there would be anything in particular that would be specific to their health, but I would be aware of cultural norms, and I've experienced this a lot. Um, some societies, like like the like the ties where I just got back from, are very open and welcoming um, to LGBTQ um, society. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I've still got jet lag. I'm like no, losing words. No, no. <laughs> um, and it's it's not an issue. There are other places, other countries you might go to that are accepting, but not, it's, it's people don't really come out with it. So you can go there and enjoy yourself. There are other places where you could really experience some persecution. So perhaps be aware of what the cultural norms are, mm-hmm. just for your own safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we actually have a listener question. We do. Is this your friend, Inez? Yes. Hi, Monica. <laughs> Thank you, Monica. You're our star listener. Yeah. Um, so do you know any natural remedies or soothers for when too many hours of sitting on a bus can cause irritation or can't take a shower but need to refresh is the situation? <laughs> like, you may not be able to get baby butt cream for your irritation, but... X will help, for example. And I believe yogurt was mentioned earlier. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. I guess I would want to ask Monica where her irritation is. Is it is it on the vulva? Is it um, in the creases above the thighs? Is it like between the buttocks? Right. Because it would vary. Um, but if she's just looking for a soak, chamomile flowers and calendula flowers are are like a tea type of treatment that you could do that's very soothing. Mm-hmm. Comfrey leaves. But again, like if you're out in the middle of nowhere, they might not have chamomile and calendula. So I would say, yeah, if you can find yogurt. It's usually around. If you can find some yogurt, you could paint some on there for a yeah. little bit. Um, I would probably, if it's more of like a heat rash irritation in the thighs or, or the buttocks, I would probably bring some cornstarch. Don't ever put talcum down there because it's been associated with increased risk of ovarian cancer. But cornstarch is really good for that if you've got like a, a rash. And then you could just soak in cool water. We do that all the time with our patients. It's like, don't put anything in the water. Just soak in lukewarm water a couple yeah. times a day and, and pat dry very gently. All right. 
All right. Awesome. Sounds sounds pretty easy. Yeah. Water is what I'm learning. Water. <laughs> Most of the time, it's like water will be will do good. Water, yogurt, and the vagina takes care of itself. Yes. <laughs> and every once in a while, garlic comes to play. As long as you can get it out. Yes. <laughs> So um, you're a board member of Chicago Now. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you tell us a bit more about what Chicago Now does and what are some of the challenges they're facing in in these interesting times that we're living in? (laughs) That's very diplomatic. Yes. (laughs) Well, we're facing the same challenges everyone else is, but um, interestingly, well, not so surprising, but um, we have a lot more support than we did a year ago. Mm -hmm. A lot. Our, Our membership has grown. We've gotten more donations. We certainly are happy to take on more members and could use some more donations. But um, we've been very involved in organizing protests and rallies. We were able to send, I want to say, seven women to Washington for the for the rally, for the Women's March. We had our own Women's March here in Chicago, which was so well attended that I don't think it actually moved. Um, <laughs> I was in Bangkok at the time, but I heard, I heard great stories about a really great turnout. I think our biggest challenge right now is keeping people engaged and involved. There's definitely the interest, Mm -hmm. but it's keeping them engaged, keeping people from becoming disheartened and feeling like there's nothing they can do because there's a lot they can do. Right. Mm -hmm. So I have a question because I was at the Women's March, and it does have to do with women's health, (laughs) and you just (laughs) reminded me of it. So... In terms of being at a large event like that with minimal bathroom access... Oh, yeah. Which... Is better to hold it <laughs> or do you find a way? Wow. What way? <laughs> you know, it's never a good idea to hold a full bladder for very long because it does increase your risk of urinary tract infection. I don't know. Maybe you would you, would you bring a cup with you? Or, or I've seen the little the little they're kind of like troughs. They're like stand up urinals for ladies. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to bring that up because it sounds so strange to me. But sure, if you want to wear like that strange, that little urine collector thing. Oh yeah, that's pretty gross. But, but you, you could. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to judge anybody for it. It might save yeah. you urinary tract infection. Yeah. Oh, and we didn't even talk about those UTIs. Yeah. Like, what what can we do in the middle of nowhere? What are some alternative? I'm sorry, I feel like I'm detracting no, from no, Chicago no. now. We can go back to it, but <laughs> it's yeah, it's all about women, <laughs> right? <laughs> But yeah, with UTIs, mm-hmm. I mean, is there anything you can do? Because it almost seems like you always need a prescription, right? Yes. Um, that would be another thing you could bring with. And the best prescription for that would probably be Macrobid. You could ask your doc for a prescription. And you could just say, you could even say UTI. Give me something for a UTI. It might give yeah. you Bactrim. That would be fine, too. But that's a good thing to just have with you. Uh-huh. But really, most a lot of countries, you can just walk up to the pharmacist and say, hey, you know, I need some antibiotics. I have a urinary tract infection. And they'll give it to you. Right. You don't yeah. necessarily need a prescription in a lot of places, in my experience, at least. And how do you prevent them from even happening? Drink lots of water. <laughs> avoid sugar. It's very much like preventing the yeast infections, actually. Yeah. Try not to hold a full bladder of urine on a regular basis because that'll definitely contribute. And probably the number one thing, after having intercourse, get up and go pee right away. It's not terribly romantic, but basically any bacteria that might have been pushed inside the urethra during intercourse will get pushed back out by the stream of urine, and that's really going to decrease your risk. Yeah, it's not romantic, but neither is a UTI. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so choose the lesser of two evils. <laughs> so cranberry juice, is that a myth then? It's not a myth. The problem with can- cranberry juices is because cranberry juice is so tart, we have to put a lot of sugar in it to make it palatable. So mm-hmm. you're getting a big dose of sugar every time you drink it. You can take cranberry capsules, which I recommend. As a preventative, if you're a person who frequently gets urinary tract infections, um, it can be used to treat really mild cases, depending on what the situation is. But yeah, I would do capsules. Okay. It decreases the adhesion of bacteria to the walls of the bladder they found in studies. So that's huh. nice. yeah. okay. So basically, cool. make yourself a little kit with stuff to handle yeast infection, stuff to handle UTIs, birth control, yeah. menstruation, the menstruation product of your choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and your trough. And your and your trough. <laughs> if you happen oh, to be. <laughs> so you can you can pee in an alley yeah. standing up, just like the men. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um wow, this has been this has been awesome. Yeah. Um so tell us how we can how we and our listeners can get more involved in Chicago now. Or the National Organization of Women in general. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you can visit our website. Which, I don't have the... No. But we'll put it up, we'll put it up there. Yeah. Um, we have a Facebook page. Donate. If you uh, if you decide to become a member, there are all, we'll offer you all kinds of ways you can become active, keep you updated on our events. We've got an event coming up on April 26th at Township in Logan Square, mm-hmm. and it's Give Your Choice a Voice. It's a fundraiser. You know, we were talking about people having to travel to get abortions in our own country even. This fundraiser is going to benefit an organization called the Midwest Access Coalition, which helps women who need to come to Chicago from other states, helps them get here and puts them up so that they can get safe and legal abortions. It's a really good organization. And Give Your Choice a Voice is a blast. It's comedians and artists and um, they're just putting on a show and you're having some food and drinks and you get to donate and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a fun way to do it. Awesome. Did you and, find it? and the website is chicagonow.org. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yes, please keep us updated on both, you know, any event Chicago Now has and also on your own uh, nonprofit that you're starting as nice. well. Yeah. Because yeah. that sounds super amazing and cool and it's based on the idea of revolution. The name Rise Up kind of says it all. It's about giving people, a lot of our neighborhoods are really chaotic, don't have good resources, and it's about giving people the peace and the space in their minds to sort out where they're at and where they want to go and what they want to ask of their government and what they want for their country, and that comes from finding that that space and peace first. And yeah. yoga can provide that. So. Yeah. 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 Never a bad time to do yoga. I have been, le- I have been leaning heavily on yoga <laughs> during these last couple of weeks because I find that I just like... I sit all day and my shoulders are in a constant hunch of outrage. Right. <laughs> but just the stress levels. I mean, it goes back to that Audrey Lord quote about how self care is a revolutionary act or can be a revolutionary Absolutely. act. Yeah. yeah. You know, and kind of yoga and being healthy can can be that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's all yeah. about being positive in dark times. I find a lot of people are feeling so much stress and the whole shoulder tightness and stuff because they're so overwhelmed by what's happening politically in our country and I'm really trying to channel people into a more positive way it's like yes things are dark right now but here's the positive things you can do it's not all about raging on Facebook you know yeah. right you can do good things for yourself you can do good things for your community don't give up right yeah so less sugar more yoga yes <laughs> and remember that your vaginas are powerful <laughs> we shouldn't have to remind ourselves of I know this. I know <laughs> 
thank you so much. I learned a lot. Me too. Yes. So much. Yeah. <laughs> If you love us and want to listen to more of our episodes, please、uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review because it will make us just fill our hearts with joy. And we have a mystery reviewer. We do. Who we want to thank? Sarah H M. Your review warmed our hearts. It was lovely, and we don't think we know you. Like <laughs> we went through our list of mutual Sarahs, <laughs> and we're like, this does not sound familiar.、Um, so you might be our internet stranger friend, which we're thrilled about. <laughs> yeah. So thank you for taking the two minutes that to leave that review. It really it helps us on iTunes, and it just makes us feel good. Yes. That's you know a note to everyone else out there. Be more like Sarah. <laughs> hey, ladies, have you always wanted to travel the world but don't have a travel buddy? Girl Squad Tours is an international travel company for women, specializing in small female-only group tours across the globe. They offer flexible payment plans, exciting itineraries, knowledgeable squad leaders, and so much more. Join them in April for ten days in London and Paris, or in June for eleven days in Ireland and Scotland. Visit girlsquadtours.com to reserve your spot today and use code GSTWILLTRAVEL to receive two hundred dollars off any payment plan option.、Um, you can also find us on Podbean, on Stitcher, and in other places where podcasts are freely published. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at xxwilltravel. Check out our website at xxwilltravel.com and sign up for our newsletter because it gives you all our latest updates, travel tips, and every once in a while we sneak in a really pretty picture. Yeah, yeah. But other than that, thanks, Christina, for being here. Thanks for having me. Thank、yeah. you, Christina. We hope your podcast initiation was a pleasant one. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> wonderful. In the meantime, go forth and travel.